Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pound for Pound podcast. Today is going to be an amazing day, and the reason that it is going to be such a good day is we have got one of the world's most decorated arm wrestlers on the planet joining us on the show. He has won over 24 national titles, 18 world titles. He is, of course, Monster Michael Todd. So let's get him on the line. Here we go. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Monster Michael Todd. How are you, mate? Doing well. Doing well. Good stuff, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the show here. Uh, to everybody who's listening, if you've never heard or seen of Michael Todd before, he is one of the world's most decorated arm wrestlers with over 24 USA national titles and 18 world titles. Uh, Michael, it's quite a, it's quite a, <laughs> it's quite a history of the record, mate. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey. When did, when did you start in the sport of arm wrestling? Well, I started in 1990, but I got to go ahead and correct you. You said 24 national titles. It's actually 34 national. Oh my goodness! <laughs> there we go. So, oh good, yeah. Yeah, 30. I started in 1990 at the Saline County Wrist Wrestling Competition. And that's where you lock your hands in the middle and grab a little post. Yep. Put your elbow in a horseshoe-shaped cup and you pin your opponent to your forearm, and that's how I got started. There you go. So I know that that for me, I, I was someone who actually didn't discover the sport of arm wrestling in a professional capacity till I was about age 27. I, I grew up loving arm wrestling and. My dad and I used to arm wrestle that same way to each other's forearms. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting that the world of arm wrestling has kind of struggled to, um, to really be known. But um, with people like yourself, we're heading in the right direction anyway. So, Michael, have you done any sit-down arm wrestling at any stage? Yeah, my first sit-down competition was back in 1993. Uh, I'd, I'd missed my weight at 198, so I pulled the 220s finished third the guy that got first that year didn't go so i got to go be part of team usa in edmonton alberta canada at my first uh world championship i ended up placing seventh yeah. but i had some good wins you know i beat mike gould back then and i beat some good guys but i enjoy sitting down it's uh it's a lot of power arm wrestling you know yeah now i i've i've never actually uh competed in sit down arm wrestling but i have mucked around with it and Interestingly, it, it obviously it kind of lends itself to a lot more of an inside style arm wrestling. Now, given that you're kind of famously known for your outside move or a bit the king's move, um, how did you go back then in inside arm wrestling? Yeah, I, I was always, always an inside puller. Um, it's funny because I've been arm wrestling for 28 years, and for the first 20 years, I was always an inside. I just go in and bang. <laughs> My left arm blew apart in 2010. Yep. I wasn't able to pull against the peg with my left hand. So I just started pushing against the peg and started, you know, more of a lat drag and rotational style pull. So I just kind of evolved into that. Yeah. But that's what people know me as. The last eight years I've been <laughs> relatively dominant using that. So well, it's interesting. no one thinks about all those. Interesting. Yeah. I'd love to ask you the question about the, um, the arm break and how that affected you. Obviously, you said, you said that with your left arm, you weren't able to, to pull against the peg like you traditionally would with an inside move. Was there any component of it that was kind of scaring you about going inside again? Or, or was it purely just you just did what you could? No, so the, the, the left arm is the one that came apart. The right arm, the doctor in 2010, when the left arm got hurt, I had him just go ahead and x-ray my right fist just, just for fun right yeah and they said i had over 70 fractures in my right elbow so i've lost a lot of range of motion in my right arm but the left arm once it came apart going back to that press was was pretty nerve-wracking but you know once i <laughs> once it did it a couple times and it held up i'm like what the heck let's do it yeah i, I but yeah the, the left arm wasn't wasn't a break it was actually uh, the medial cladal ligament ripped off the bone ah. my flexor mass rolled up my forearm and the elbow dislocated four to six inches 
Well, well, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I never knew that. I actually thought that you it, it was a, a spiral fracture of the humerus, but I just assumed that. No, given, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So how, how was the recovery on that? Like the, the left arm, obviously you don't compete as, as often on the left, but where, where does the left sit now? I had a lot of injuries last year, so the left didn't do too good last year, but my left is feeling pretty strong right now. Um, I, I think I would be relatively competitive with a lot of the, the top guys left-handed right now. My left feels pretty good. Um, I have a really fast shoulder press left-handed. Yeah. So if uh, if I don't have someone who's doing a whole lot of, you know, going with up pressure, back pressure, going into my hand, uh, I'm, I'm really good at just flashing pulls left-handed. But right now I'm, I'm practicing more, you know, hand clamp, lock and load and that and i mean so my left just feels solid everywhere right now awesome now michael let, let's talk a little bit about um some of the arm wrestling matches that you've had i think i think you are one of the arm wrestlers particularly coming out of the usa that has taken on more of the european giants than than anyone else you've got the likes you've had um super matches with the likes of pushkar and truven and saplenkov in in recent years um is there anyone out of those three that you would say uh, was more formidable than the others, or what's your impression of those three guys? All three guys are great guys, but um, Andre Pushkar, the one that I just arm wrestled in November, was the strongest man I've ever faced on across the table. Yeah, because I was the strongest I had ever been. Um, I had, I did not see any chance for anyone to beat me because I, I, I was, I was significantly stronger than when I won the WAL, which yeah. was a big win for me, you know, yeah. and I would train very hard for that. But I was so much stronger doing the exact same workouts with 20 to 25 percent more weight under the the BFR trainings, which is the blood flow restriction. And I just didn't know how it'd be possible. And then he beat me. And yeah. I was like, wow, yeah, damn, that guy's strong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, so I, uh, I watched I watched those three matches prior to this interview today, and they, they all had very, very similar stories to them. They um, your, your, I mean, your your signature move of, of these days and age with the with the uh, the king's move uh, certainly does put a lot of tax on on your opponent, and and it, it seems to be that the common way that the matches are finished is with the press, whether it's from yourself quickly transitioning to a press or from your opponents uh, getting access to maybe a flop press. So um, that that's kind of the the story that I've seen in them is is. is is that move the top roll or from the king's move top roll to to the press is that your go-to move these days well um in a perfect world i would flash everybody when they said go yeah. but since uh there's so many strong guys out there if the match stops you know if i stop the guy and, and we're both kind of stretched out i'm going to be fatiguing my bicep my lat my hand so it, if I get them where the hands past their shoulder, if I, you'll see me do some little bumps against her hand or some little micro movements to see if it, if I'm if it's a good time to come in and press. Mm. But when I transition that press, I'm using the, my chest, my shoulder, my tricep. So I basically, I got these fresh muscles that I can come in and use and just explode on somebody. Yeah. So it it seems to work really well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually, when I when I watched those three matches earlier today, I, I would actually my impression was that actually Saplenkov was able to. Hang around with you for a lot longer than Truven and Pushkar. They they see, Tru, I mean Pushkar just seems explosive. He seems like he has so much power um, over a short period of time. Um, where Saplinkov seemed like he was a lot more willing to kind of play around and hang around 
Um, and I mean, you got unlucky losing 4-2 to him. I saw in the last round, you got called for a double elbow foul where you probably would have, it probably would have ended up being Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that foul. I always wanted to rewatch that footage. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll put yeah, it up. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll put it up in, in, on this podcast and we'll do it in slow-mo. We can have a look at it. So, um, Yeah, see if you can find it because I haven't got to, I mean, I've watched it a few times and yeah, I didn't see it. But I mean, the thing is, that match, I cost myself that match. After he beat me round one, round two, round three when I pinned him, I should have swept him after that. Round four, round three, I had set up for a quick bent wrist press and almost flashed him, and then we went to the strap. Yep. Round four, I was setting up for again, and he was blocking it. Yep. And I knew he was blocking it, but I thought I'd be fast enough to get it in anyway, right? Yep. And I hit for it, and he just went sideways and, and parallel pinned me. So yep. all I had to do that match was slip again, go to the strap, and, and wear him out and beat him. Uh, so I literally, you know, I put myself in a hole three to one right there, which it could have easily been a two-two tie. Yeah. And the momentum, I mean, yeah. So I lost four-two, but you make that a a best of ten or a best of hundred. I'm sweeping every match after that. <laughs> I don't think anyone yeah. on the planet's gonna want to take you on in a best of one hundred. That's for sure. <laughs> I think I would love to arm wrestle Devin Larratt in a best of one hundred. <laughs> yeah, because I'm the, telling you that would be epic. Yeah, that I, that'd be that would be nothing short of epic. Because I mean. Obviously, Devin known for his enduring style, and and you're just a brick wall when it comes to letting I, like you to me look like a, rocks and waves crashing against them. Just you, it's hard to get through your move, so that would be off the charts. But um, Michael, yeah. tell, tell me tell me about the WAL experience last year. You you pulled incredibly well. You took the title in the super heavyweights. Was that one of the highlights of the career so far? Yeah, absolutely. Primarily because I had so many people that, that were discounting me. You know, they weren't expecting me to do well. They said there's no way that I could excel or I could do well in a deep double elimination tournament. Yeah. Much less a seated tournament where I wasn't ranked. You know, so you got Travis, you got uh, Dave, and they're both seated one and two. So they're getting first round buys. Yeah. And then I'm I'm going through like at the time it was De- it was Dave Cha- or Travis Bajan, Dave Chafee, Nick Zena. That was the ranking. So. Yeah. I went through all three of them in my quest to the title, right? So I had to pull Nick, then I had to pull Travis, then I had to pull Dave, then back to Travis, then Dave again. So beating all three of their number three guys um, in succession to, to be the WAL champ, uh, or, and also the only two people who ever win the WL Super Heavyweight division, to beat both of those guys yeah. to get the title, it, it really meant a lot. And, and to have Rebecca there and see her jump off the stage and jump into arms, it was, it was a really emotional event for me, and it really meant a lot. Yeah, you could, you could see that. And, and even though we only got the privilege of watching it through Facebook Live and things like that, like it, I mean, it would have been amazing had that have been on ESPN. But, um, yeah, a little disappointing there, was it? Oh, yeah, I, was, I, was, I definitely um, stole some of my thunder because uh, – <laughs> funny story is my stepdad actually about a year and a half earlier we're sitting in the car and he was telling me about watching the WAL and told me about this guy who hadn't been beaten and he was referring to how they talk about Dave Chapey who'd been unbeaten <laughs> what they're saying is he'd been unbeaten in the WAL yeah I'm like yeah I, I, I beat him a few years ago hey my, my stepdad just completely discounted what I was saying he starts talking about Travis he said man those guys sure are big and I'm like yeah they're the same size as me <laughs> and it just did it didn't matter what my 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 comment was all he wanted to do was r- repeat what he'd heard on TV because that's what he believed to be the truth. Yeah. So yeah. that's the reason I wanted to be a part of the WL because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to let people know Travis wasn't the man. Travis wasn't the best, right? Yeah. Because um, I here, here are the people in my hometown. They know I'm a world champion. They're like, well, who's this guy on TV saying he's the best? I'm like, he's a bum. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, nah, you, I mean, you guys certainly had so. a, a, a pretty fiery encounter on that WL final. And I remember some incredibly... 
uh, horrific elbow fouls from Travis that uh, were almost unseen, almost unseen by the referees. Um, but yeah, that was, I think, uh, will, will we see you in the WAL again? There's obviously word the WAL is coming back and um, will, will you be signing with the WAL and potentially having another clash with Travis? Well, I, I, I'm not sure if Travis is going to be involved. I haven't been told, but um, I, I have been in conversation with Steve ever since the last year's um, finals fell apart, and I, I do plan on um, being a part of the WAL. So awesome. you, you'll be seeing the monster in a, a WL t-shirt again pretty soon. That's awesome, yeah. And obviously, obviously nothing official yet from the WAL, but obviously the, the grapevine is, is talking, saying that, they're, that it's coming back bigger and better than it's ever been before. So I think that... Um, I know that the world will be excited to watch that. And it's got to be a good thing for arm wrestling, just spreading the word of arm wrestling as well. So it'll be awesome to see you in that. Uh, Michael, what, one question that I wanted to ask you about is longevity in the sport. I know that one of my favorite things about the sport is the fact that you can stay competitive for so long. And at age 45, you've how do you approach staying so competitive at such a high level uh, for such a long period of time? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so I turned 45 in June. So um, I've been at this for 28 years. I believe I've got several more years where if I choose to, I can be among the very, very best in the world. Yeah. The thing about it is uh, it's one of those sports. Like, so I'm, I was, I got up to like 311 for my match with Pushkar. I'm, I'm down to 284 right now. I think the best version of me is like 260 and like single digit body fat. Yeah, really? Not because I may be the strongest, but because I'm the most confident, right? Yep. I've got self-esteem yep. issues for being a little short, fat kid growing up. So when I'm yep. when I'm heavier, like when I'm pulling push car, I was more concerned about whether or not I had back fat yeah. on the big screen than I was beating push car. So <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, gotcha. the cool thing about this sport is it gives you a reason to stay in shape. It gives you a reason to keep training. Um, so my point was, the strongest, best version of me, I think, is around 260, but really, really fit. Yep. Um, but the other thing is, I'm also an athlete. I like doing other things. My wife yeah. and I did a 16-mile hike the other day. We, we like being active. Um, so I could easily cut weight, be a lighter version. But it all comes back to this. How do you continue to train for something to be less than your best? Yeah. Well, if the best version of me is a 260-pound lean guy, how would, how would be my motivation to continue to train and be a 240-pound guy, right? Yeah. Yep. I may not – I may be the – me be, be among the best in the world at 240, but I would no longer be the best in the world in the, in the open class. Yeah. So for me, the longevity comes with uh, just making sure you treat yourself like an athlete, knowing that, um, yeah, at 45 years old, I can still be the best in the world. And just getting out there and training and loving what I do and the passion and stuff that you have for this sport and the fact that my, my stepson does it. So I've, I've thought about retiring numerous times. You know, my mm -hmm. wife does it. Um, I've thought about retiring because I've, I've accomplished a lot in the sport and I could probably quit now and still be remembered as one of the best ever, but I still got more in the tank. I still got more to prove. There's still things I want to do. Yeah. And knowing that my family still competes, there's the only way an arm wrestler retires is if he just leaves the sport entirely and cuts off all communication, right? So yeah, it, it, if I'm going to be going to tournaments, I'm going to be seeing people, so I'm going to have to arm wrestle. Yeah, it, so it, it's just one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, no, yeah, it's um the community. You touched on the community there being uh, one of the the major things in the fact that your son and and your wife Rebecca uh, are involved in the sport as well. I know that my impression of the sport from the community viewpoint was it is none. It's not like any other sport on the planet where you can literally go to almost any country on the planet and be welcomed by arm wrestlers and and have a place to stay. And the fact that you can 
go on this journey with, with your with your family and your son like is is there a particular age has has ryan told you the day he's gonna beat you has he predicted that yet uh, I think it's when I'm in my casket, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, um, because that boy's not got a shot. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, he's he's a 140-pound arm wrestler who is strong. That kid yeah. is one of the strongest 135, 140-pound people you're going to meet, and he's only 20 years old. Yeah. But he, he keeps claiming that he's going to beat me one day. I, I don't see it in any time <laughs> in the near future. I, but, uh, I think that's one of the best things ever is father-son rivalry. There's nothing nothing more... I, th- I don't think there'd be a prouder moment for a dad that the day that his son beats him in an arm wrestle. But I know that you're going to do everything within your power to never allow it to happen as well. So, I think, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's awesome that you that your whole family is so involved in the sport. Well, as yeah, well. and that's one of the things the sport, the camaraderie between the athletes. It's literally uh, like a big family union getting together arm wrestling. Yeah. You show up, and whether it's a local event, state event, national event, international event, I mean, even the international events where you cannot even. You don't even share the same language, but you can still talk about arm wrestling. That's that's a super cool thing. And, yeah. and like you said, we could, well, I could, me and Rebecca could fly to Europe, and and I wouldn't have to have a hotel, and I could spend a couple of months because all I'd have to do is let an arm wrestler know that I'm in their country or their town. They're like, oh, dude, come stay with me. You know, yeah. they'll actually probably be offended if I don't. You know, yeah. if you were in town, you didn't tell me. What are you talking about? You know, that's just it's a real close knit group of people, and there's a lot of mutual respect between everybody. But it's just like an extended family. Yeah. Awesome. Michael, where to from here? 2018 obviously has WAL. You're obviously still hungry and you, you want to you want to stay competitive. Is there is there any particular goals that Michael Todd's aiming for? Well, right now, um, because the WAL is going to be coming back and I believe it's going to have some really good opportunities for uh, getting, getting your name out there or um, just... I think exposure. I think there's going to mm. be a lot of exposure from this this run. Yep. So it would be, you know, it would really suck to be the guy that won the WAL when it didn't air on TV, <laughs> and not be the guy <laughs> that, that won guy? the WAL when it did air on TV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so obviously, I'd like to be the WAL champion again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if given an opportunity, um, would I like a rematch with Pushkar? Of course. But it doesn't have to be Pushkar. It just yeah. has to be whoever the number one guy in the world. So if Pushkar pulls Chafee and Chafee beats him, then Chafee's the guy. Yep. Whoever has that number one spot, that overall ranking, I mean, and we our rankings aren't accurate. Yeah, they're, you know, they're kind of global they're, opinions. They're, they're not accurate. They're, they're, they're global opinions of other people who arm wrestle, and that's just the way it is right now. But yeah. whoever, I still want that number one spot. So who do I have to be to beat that guy? That's who I want to arm wrestle. Yeah. Um, like but yeah, so this year's this year for me is going to be about presenting a different package. Um, there's not going to be a 300-pound monster. There's going to be a 260-pound athletic, fit, strong, energetic, positive, uh, confident guy that's going to step up to the table every single time. And I've always told people, and I, I, a confident Michael Todd is not the guy you want to arm wrestle. Awesome. So uh, I, that's who I plan on being this year. So I'm looking forward to 2018 living a healthy life this year and just doing the best I can and enjoying the sport. And, um, I have some international opportunities. I I may get to come over, um, to do a few cool things. So, Hey man, I'm just looking forward to to having a great 2018. Awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. We wish you the absolute best for the remainder of 2018 and everything that you and your family are doing. Uh, you guys keep killing it and yeah, we'll, we'll enjoy watching you for sure. All right, mate. So thank you very well, much. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for letting me be on, and, and God bless you guys. Take care. Take care. 
Alrighty, ladies and gents, there we have it, the monster Michael Todd with some uh, a fantastic conversation there, hearing about the way that he came to the sport, where he's trained in the sport, why he's no longer an inside puller um, due to the injuries uh, that he sustained largely on the left arm, uh, that it was the, the birth of him becoming the, the king's move, top-rolling defensive machine that he is known as today. And obviously, um, he's at 45 years of age, he's doing so incredibly well to still be so amazingly competitive. Um, and yeah, fantastic stuff there from Michael Todd. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really, really appreciate every single one of you guys. If you could hit like and share, that would be absolutely amazing. All right, see you guys.